0: Welcome to the Ethnos New Brunswick podcast. We're so glad you're joining us today. Ethnos is a new organization looking to join in the holistic, community-transforming work happening in New Brunswick and Highland Park. Part of that includes thinking about the spiritual health and vitality of our community. Each week, our gathering is meant to give our community a safe and helpful place for that. Today's episode is the 12th part in our series called Revolutionary with a conversation being led by lead pastor, Yu Chu. Well,
1: we're going to continue our time here this uh, morning on our Thanksgiving morning um, by taking a look at the teachings of Jesus, as we usually do, and thinking through this issue of what does it mean to live a revolutionary life with Jesus. Uh, I realize uh, we've been talking about this now for some time. We've, we're two months into this conversation Trust me, we just have about three more weeks to go, okay? And then we're going to take a pause and and reflect on Christmas, since Christmas is uh, just right around the corner. But we are actually almost done with the series. And as we get to the end of the series, um, I hope you've been encouraged. I hope you have found things that have been helpful in this series, things that are practical, things that are um, worth, you know, changing your life over. Um, Today, as we think about our topic and this revolutionary revolutionary series, today we are going to really continue on the practical bent that the last few talks have really talked about. If you remember, uh, starting just a few weeks ago as we went from these big ideas of things like racial reconciliation and things like a new humanity, um, our author in this letter we've been studying began to switch gears and get... Very detailed and very specific about how Jesus revolutionizes even the nitty gritty interactions we have in our lives. Today, what the author does is he is going to switch gears and get really specific about a specific relationship that all of us are affected by. And that's the relationship between husband and wife. We're going to talk about marriage today and how Jesus revolutionizes marriage, okay? Now, here's the deal. Before we jump into this, let me just make a couple broad statements about this topic. Obviously, number one, not all of us are married in this room, right? And not only are not all of us married, some of us uh, don't see marriage as part of our future, for different reasons. That's just not something we want or something we feel like we'll have. Here's the deal. It may seem a little bit strange to talk about marriage then for those of us, especially who are like, you know what, maybe that's not for me, or maybe I had a bad experience with that, or I'm not into it. Here's the deal. I want to encourage us, all of us, to engage with this conversation. Because here's here's, here's here's the thing. Even if we aren't going to step into marriage ourselves, even if maybe we've had bad experiences with marriage, marriage still affects us, regardless of where we are. Maybe not your marriage, but your parents' marriage or lack of a marriage. Maybe your friend's marriage, your sibling's marriage. We are all somehow affected by marriage, right? Whether we are personally engaged or not. And so this conversation is going to be for all of us because even if we aren't going to do it, we're going to be affected by it. And you and I, if we're not going to be engaged with marriage, we do have a chance, an opportunity to help revolutionize the marriages around us. We can help revolutionize the marriages that may be down the road in our future. We all have an opportunity, actually, to be a part of revolutionary marriage if we'll be open to what God wants. And so with that note, we're going to get started with our discussion topic um, with a simple question that I'm sure we'll have many things to say. Why don't we turn to our table partners and answer this very basic but personal question. What seems to go wrong with the marriages around you? Why do they struggle? Or to put it differently, why do you think we need a marriage revolution today. You got two minutes? Turn, the t- turn to the table, partners, next to you. Let's talk. Man, family weekend. We're talking about a very personal family topic, aren't we? Man, this is like the, the, the family weekend here. What, uh, what are you thinking? What are we thinking here about this question? Why do marriages struggle? I'm gonna to go to Lydia. She had a really good one. So Cause, and she was my partner, so I can pick on her. Yeah.
0: You're forcing me to talk. Um, I guess the way I put it was that a lot of couples seem to keep score. Where, you know, I they did this irritating thing, that's a point against them, or you know, I did this favor for them, so they owe me one. When it's not really about owing anybody anything.
1: That's good, right? She's good. Yeah, that's good. You wanna give Lydia a hand? Let's give Lydia a hand. That was good. Yeah. <laughs> What else? What else? Why? Why do we? Why do marriages struggle?
0: Yeah. Um, it seems like when people come together, they get married to start this relationship. They bring baggage that is linked to their past generations, including the way their parents' marriages were. And when they get married, they don't necessarily share those aspects of themselves, or they're not ready to confront them with their partner, which I think you should, but you can see how that plays a huge role. Uh, they have fears, um that ne- doesn't necessarily reflect the other partner's actions, but just they think so because of the baggage that is, yeah.
1: That's huge, baggage, yeah, that's big. Why don't we give Wanda a hand? Thank you, Wanda, yeah. What else? Who else wants to share? Yeah. Yeah, we just walked in, but um, <laughs> because <And it's laughs> yeah, don't disagree. it. Okay. <laughs> Why did marriage struggle? Because I want my own way, yes, right? It's very simple. Like, I mean, before I got married, I had to think I was a nice guy. Like, <laughs> I'm married, like, wow, like I'm so selfish, and it's always on my own way. And so I think, yeah, I think that's a big part of it. Yeah. Now that's good. I want my own way. Yeah. Let's give Kevin a hand. No, that's good, that's good, that's good. What else? Over here, yeah.
0: I actually didn't bring this up when we were talking, but just what other people have been saying made me feel like, you know, I think a lot of times people struggle because we don't talk about this topic enough, and and so people look at the pictures that people post on social media or what's portrayed in the media and say, well, my marriage or my relationship doesn't look like that, and so... I can't go talk to somebody about the struggles I'm having because nobody else is struggling the way that I am. And so people feel alone in in those struggles and feel like there's nobody to talk to. That's
1: huge. No, that's good. That is so true. Let's give April a hand.
0: That is very true.
1: Yeah. Yeah, over here. Yeah. Uh,
0: One of the main reasons is um, simply um, some people get in marriages um, outside of um, their... Their love or understanding of what marriage is. So some people get into marriages uh, because um, financial situations or burdened or obligated to pregnancy or anything, and there's um, an absence of love. And sometimes that is a recipe for failure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, that's good. Yeah, sometimes we stumble
1: into marriage for for some pretty unhelpful reasons, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. Let's give Jose a hand. Yeah, no, that's definitely a Yeah. Yeah, we, yeah, we got, man, we got to wake up today. Some more, more, more robust clapping. No, that's good. I like, I like some people trying here. Yeah.
0: So we talked about several different reasons. Um, the loss of the feeling of love, um, also money as a big issue, yeah. and getting into marriage for the wrong reasons. Yeah.
1: No, that's good. Loss of feeling, money is a big issue, absolutely, and wrong reasons. Yeah, let's give Colleen a hand. Thank you, Colleen. Okay, the youth table. I was waiting for the youth table, the youth section. We got a big youth section today. What's going on? So, of course, all of them have something to say because they're all of marrying age, right? Because they're married to Jesus. So, But um, (laughs) that's right. That's right. We shall be married to Jesus. Um, But of the things that we were talking about is how do these marriages impact us. And one of the things that kind of relates back to this question is that we forget that marriage is not just between the two people, but that marriage impacts everyone in the community around them, too. Yeah. Wow, that's good. That's good. Thank you. Thank you, youth. Yeah. Anybody else? One more. Anybody else want to share? Oh, yeah, right here. Um, sometimes one is mature in, in in the relationship with God and the other one is not yet, okay. so it, there is a big gap, and someone is trying to either ready or playing catch up or not in sync, so yeah. it gets messed up. Yeah. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Let's give Rita a hand. Thank you, Rita, for that. Yeah. Spiritually mismatched marriages, that's how I like to describe it, and definitely that can cause a number uh, number of problems. Well, we are, as you can tell, we are getting right into the heart of this topic here this morning. There is a lot to cover, and we won't be able to cover everything, but what we want to do is what we've been doing for the last few months here. We want to take a look at a moment in time, some 2,000 years ago, when Jesus and His message and His life literally transformed and revolutionized a city. We are looking at that city of Ephesus, as you may recall, where the message of Jesus some 2,000 years ago went into the people, the citizens of this city. And it literally turned the city upside down. And, And a few years after that happened a man by the name of Paul wrote a letter back to this city to remind them of what had happened to them, to remind them of the ways Jesus had changed their lives. And as he has been writing this letter, and as we've been looking at this letter, he gets more and more detailed into the intricacies of how Jesus has changed their lives. And today, as we note, he gets into the topic of marriage. Marriage back then, as it is today, was one of the foundations of how a city operated, how a people operated, how healthy the people were, how healthy the city or country was. And so it's no surprise that he spends this much time actually talking about marriage. In fact, the portion of the letter that we're reading today is the most extensive discussion on marriage. Uh, in all the letters that were written in the Bible. And so it's quite a special excerpt. We're going to read it here today. I'm going to walk us through it. We're going to have a lot of time for questions. Um, It's going to be pretty, I think, challenging, pretty revolutionary. My prayer is that we can have an open heart and open mind as we read. Now, before we jump in, let me just say this, two things. You have to read this very carefully, number one, because some people have read this in the past and jumped to certain conclusions that I think are not there. Okay? For example, the first paragraph or the second paragraph you will see relates to the wives in a marriage and it uses the word submit, which for some of us is a very bad word, a very dirty word. It recalls all of a sudden. Abuses in marriage, abuses, emotional, physical, sexual. And, you know, right away we're jumping to certain conclusions. Please, 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 don't do that. Let's try to understand this first and what it's saying before we jump to some of those conclusions. Number two, this excerpt needs to be read as a whole. It can't be just read one verse at a time, or one sentence at a time, and, and you just think of that one sentence as the main sentence. You really need to capture the whole because, it, as, it, as the saying goes, it takes two to tango, right? Marriages are made up of two people, two need to do something equally. Some would argue the second or the, the man, the husband needs to do something more. If you notice, there's a lot more section devoted to the man, to the husband. So all the men in this room, we're going to have to think through this a little more seriously perhaps today, I think. But let's just make sure we realize that, okay? There there are a lot of ways to understand this. People have made quick assumptions in the past that I don't think are helpful. Let's read through this slowly, and let's try to digest the whole thing together, not section apart by itself, okay? Okay? With that being said, let me just read through this, and then we will talk about this together and discuss. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourself to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the Word, and to present her to himself, As a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for the body just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. How many of you felt a little bit uncomfortable reading through this? Just kind of felt like, ooh, I'm not sure how I feel about this. Okay, yeah, yeah, be honest. Okay, good. What's going on here? Let's walk through this together and discuss. You'll notice that the first sentence starts by saying, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. There are a couple things we should be aware of in this first sentence. In the original language, this first sentence here is actually the last clause of a very long sentence right before this. This is how, if you were to read this whole section, notice we're starting in 21. The sentence actually starts much earlier. And the sentence that started earlier was basically saying this. Don't get drunk on wine. There are a couple different ways you can live your life. One is through drunkenness. The other is through the power of God. That's literally how the sentence starts. It's kind of a funny way to start, but let's get real. (laughs) We know even today, drunkenness is one way we can live. Many of us have been exposed to that. Many of us have lived that way. It's just kind of how life is. You find certain things that make you feel good, certain things that give you a buzz, certain things that intoxicate you, and you can literally live your life like that, with that constantly As the thing you strive for. And so the author is saying before, hey, don't live that way. It's not going to bring you anything anyways. Live by being filled with the Spirit, by being filled with God. And learn how to live differently now, being filled with God, the best sort of intoxication you can have. And as he's talking then about being filled with God... He brings up a number of things that will change, the way you talk about each other, the way, the way you, you kind of find pleasure in life. It's no longer about the buzz. It's about God and, and, and the goodness you can find in other people and so on and so forth. And the very last thing he says in this big, the big sentence is then, we'll submit to each other out of reverence for God, reverence for Jesus. Learn how to defer to one another, learn how to consider the other better than yourself, learn how to respect each other. Notice that last sentence in our excerpt, the word respect is used there. That's a good word to to further define this idea of submit. Learn how to prefer each other better than yourselves. And then as he's saying this, well, he jumps into the marriage relationship. Right away, Because he knows as well as I do, as well as you do, that the marriage relationship, if you want to talk about love, you and I know the hardest place to love, honestly, is in the marriage relationship. Yes, there's the ideal that April talked about. We see on TV, we see in the magazines, we see in the media, whatever, that marriage is supposed to look like this. But we all know it's not like that. We all know it's tough. We all know it is literally the hardest place. To live life of love. And so, then he begins to talk to wives, right, and then the husbands on how this might look like. Now, to the wives, he says basically one simple message. Submit or respect. Again, looking at that last sentence, I think that's a good way to qualify or further define what submit means. But let's get into this a little bit more. What what exactly is he saying? And what is he not saying? Because I think this sentence, this idea has been used in many, 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 many unfortunate ways that are not actually there. Well, look at the sentence, if you will, on sentence 22. First thing we notice is that We're talking about submitting to your own husbands. Let's stop there. Not somebody else's husband. Not another man at work. Not your boss. We're we're talking about the family, okay? This, this, This verse is not trying to say women in society should be submissive. No. We're talking about in the marriage relationship, okay? So let's get that clear. This is not a verse a phrase, a concept to talk about a patriarchal society, okay? We're talking about the marriage relationship right there. We're keeping it to your own husband, not someone else's husband, not your brother, not your father, your own husband, okay? Number one. Number two, this word submit actually is used in other places in the culture of the time to talk about ordering yourself correctly, Ordering yourself correctly, okay? So it was actually used in the military situations. It was used in the political situations. It was used in uh, the parent-child relationship. There's a way we order ourselves properly in relationships, okay? Now, there's a debate as to does God have an order for the marriage relationship? Is it so that somehow the woman and the man in the marriage relationship need to figure out a certain order that God has designed? I'm going to say yes to that debate. And the reason I say that is because of just how this paragraph reads. Notice how the paragraph reads. We're supposed to order ourselves in this way because actually Jesus and the church have a certain order to their relationship, right? That's how the the logic of the paragraph goes. Now, here's where we have to be careful because ordering yourself in a certain way doesn't mean that one is more important than the other. It doesn't mean that one is worth more than the other. It doesn't mean that one is somehow better than the other. It just means that there's a certain order that comes to place. In fact, this idea of submit is actually used of Jesus and the Father as well. And if you're into debates on spirituality with Jesus, there's a long history and clear verses in the Bible that say Jesus is not somehow less than the Father. He's equal to the Father. Yet there's a certain order that happens, right, between the Father and the Son. So there's, there's an ordering in marriage that is unique. Again, we're looking at just marriage. We're not talking about society. We're not talking about politics. We're not even talking about the church. We're just talking about the marriage, okay? Okay. The third thing I want to note as you read the sentence, and again, we can discuss and debate this really soon, is notice how the imagery continues in 23. It talks about the husband being like Jesus and the wife being like the church, right? And so there's this relationship or this analogy that a marriage is supposed to think about or follow themselves after, right? Now, there's obviously discussion and debate as what, to, what does it mean that the husband is the head, like Christ is the head? Husbands or men in this room, if you ever have to refer to this idea to try to get a woman to listen to you, you've actually already misunderstood what this is about. Let me just be honest. Because, you already see this in the next paragraph, the way you and I are supposed to be the head or the leader is through self-sacrifice. And so, be careful, husbands, be careful, men, if you're ever in a relationship, a marriage relationship, where you suddenly say, well, I'm supposed to be able to say this, or I'm supposed to be able to do this because I'm the head, you, you just haven't read the rest of this paragraph right? So be careful. This does not mean dictatorship. This does not mean some type of rule where you get to call the shots. The way Jesus is the head of the church begins with self-sacrifice. It begins with leading through serving, right? Jesus, when he was here, said that. The way I do things, no longer are you supposed to be like the military generals are dictators where I say this and this, this. No, I serve, and you lead through serving. Okay, so that, that is something we need to understand. At the same time, there is an ordering here. This, you know, the reason that the word head is used is, is there is some type of responsibility that is given to the husband. And so the question is, how do we understand that responsibility? And then for the women in this, in this room, for the wives in this room— How do you respect that responsibility and love the husband in light of that responsibility? How do you serve them and respect them? And so the idea for the wives is very, I think, straightforward, but it's definitely nuanced. And we can talk more about the details. Let's jump to the husbands, and then we will take a pause and ask questions about this. Husbands... It says in 25, it says this, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. There it is. Husbands, our role is very clear or our job is very clear. We're to love. And what does love mean? Love means self-sacrifice. Now, here's the deal. Husbands, I know. Men, I know. The way you and I can think sometimes of love and self-sacrifice is typically in like the Hollywood setting, right? There's this woman that's in distress, and you want to sacrifice yourself out of love, right? That's what the movies do. That's what you yourself kind of think of what self-sacrifice means. But self-sacrifice really means at 2 a.m., when your wife needs something done, and you're sleepy, and you had a long day at work, and you have to get up early again tomorrow, self-sacrifice is that 2 a.m. decision you have to make. It's not this Hollywood romantic decision you have to make. It's that 2 a.m. decision, okay? And so there's this idea of self-sacrifice, but notice how the sentence continues in verse 26 and 27. This self-sacrifice has a purpose. And specifically, and this is where the metaphor gets kind of intricate and detailed, using, again, Jesus and the church... He talks about Jesus and Jesus' self-sacrifice for the church and how Jesus did that for a purpose, to make the church holy. What does it mean to be holy? It doesn't mean necessarily just to be morally perfect. It actually means to be set apart, to be deemed as special and unique for God's purposes. And so husbands, men, you're supposed to sacrifice yourself so that the woman understands how unique and set-apart she is for God. Not only that, the husband, like Christ, needs to, quote-unquote, cleanse her by the washing with water through the Word and present her to himself as a radiant church. What does that actually mean? It is talking about basically how Jesus, when Jesus died on a cross and rose from the grave, and when Jesus decided to, love us as the church, He did all that with the end goal to to make us something beautiful, to make us actually into the beautiful church that we were meant to be, to help us become our full selves according to God. This idea of this radiance means like Down the road, in the future, in heaven, we're supposed to have this radiance of perfection and final beauty and final, ah, that's what we were finally meant to be. That's how we're supposed to love our wives, men, husbands. We're supposed to love them in such a way where they can finally become who God has called them to be, not who you and I want them to be as men and husbands. Not as we hope they'll be according to the standards of the world around us. You know, sometimes you, you look at your friend's wife or your, you see this TV image of a wife or a, a, a partner, a spouse. And you think to yourself, man, if only my wife was like that or my woman was like that. And you start thinking, I'm going to start, start to make her like that. You know, she needs to be, you know, fill in the blank. She needs to do better at home, taking care of the home. Or she needs to be more attractive and sexually available. Or she needs to be, you fill in the blank. And, and we men, we begin to scheme and organize our relationships to help this woman become what we want them to be and not what God wants. We're supposed to self-sacrifice. We're supposed to love so that this partner that God has blessed you with will become all that God meant for that partner to be. we understanding each other, men? Get this? It's a battle to do that, men. And so just take a pause here. Let's think about this. What would happen... With the marriages we know, with the marriages we're involved with, with the marriages in our families, the marriages among our friends, what would happen if we began to live this kind of marriage? Even just a little bit. I have a feeling things would literally revolutionize. Things would change in amazing ways. Now, I've said a lot, there's a lot to think about because this is such a personal topic, right? And we've seen many, many good and also bad examples, perhaps more bad examples than good. So let's get the next question on the screen and let's talk about this. What, what do you agree with here? What do you disagree with? What are you trying to figure out? What, what does this excerpt today challenge you with? Two minutes? Turn to your neighbor. Discuss, and we'll definitely talk about it as a larger group. So there's a lot going on um, in this passage, in this excerpt. Uh, I think it's a, it's a very challenging excerpt. What are we thinking about here? What do, what are we finding uh, that we agree with? What do we disagree with? What what are we finding challenging here? Yeah.
0: Um. We were kind of talking about. Well, Luce was kind of saying that she understands it conceptually, yeah. um, and agrees with uh, what you were saying that it has been used to self benefit a lot for, in the masculine identity, and and going beyond that, understanding it in the Christian setting, it's still not. It's really hard to apply. Yeah. So that that was the challenge, you, even when you do understand it, and it's not realistic per se. And that part is really hard. Yeah.
1: No, that's good. Yeah, I think that's what Lydia and I were talking about too. Like, the reality is it's a great ideal, but n- once you deviate just even a little, it just complicates the whole thing. Then you have to ask, like, well, well, he's not doing this, so why should I do this? Or she's not doing this, then why should I do this? And it's like immediately we get to the keeping record thing, like, well, who's going to move first? Right? Who's going to... Who's going to make the, the sacrifice and move first? Yes, it's a very challenging thing to ideal and to, to, to actually do and, and we'll talk about that. Um, like how we might be able to take that first move. Yeah. Crystal. Um, I think verse 21 is challenging. submit to one another out of reverence for Christ because then the bottom line
0: isn't necessarily you know are you submitting to your husband or are you submitting to your wife? But the bottom line question is, you know, do you actually revere Christ and therefore are submitting? Yeah.
1: No, absolutely. Yeah, thank you for bringing us back to that. That is the, the overarching theme. Are we actually being changed by Jesus and submitting to Jesus and letting him lead us? Kind of, again, like I mentioned, the, very, the sentence actually starts, you know, five verses before where it's talking about don't get drunk, but get filled with the Spirit. How do we live our lives in total control of God? Yeah, good stuff. What else? What else are we thinking? Agree, disagree, discuss?
0: Yeah, as a a married man and with, I guess, a Christ complex and a Superman complex, sometimes we go ahead and we think that we're doing, as men, that we're trying to live by the letter, but we can be really hurting ourselves um, by... um, Doing too much, and um, sometimes we take that um, savior mentality or that sacrifice mentality, and we don't mature our um, our partner. um, You know, um, and sometimes I think that may, you know. So we have there has to be a balance. It has to be a complete balance. Yeah.
1: No. Yeah. Absolutely. This idea again of sacrifice, self-sacrifice, sounds nice, sounds ideal, but yeah, we can we can definitely. Man, we mess it up plenty of times. Um, Yeah. Yeah. What else?
0: So we talked a little bit about, you know, my brother brought up, well, all of this sounds like, well, it's just that much more important to make sure you find the right person to be Mm. married to coming from the singles perspective. But you can't really know how a person's going to be once you're married to them because I think that's it's a different setting than just, you know, dating someone, obviously, because you're, you know, trying to build a whole life. So, it's, yeah, how, coming from that end of it, it's like, how do you, it sounds really difficult to be able to do that.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, that's huge. That's a great question. Yeah, how do it, you know, it sounds ideal, but from a single perspective, how do you, how do you know if somebody is going to live this way, if you're wanting to, figure out if you should marry them. Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah. Anybody else? Yeah. How many how many of you just by show of hands feel personally challenged by something that's been discussed so far today? Personally challenged. Okay. Okay. Good. I I hope you do cuz this this is this is one of those ideas like like we've said earlier, uh, what Lou said, you know, there, this is a very theoretical picture, a theoretical vision that I think, thankfully, in some ways, is, is theoretical, because if, if, if our author here tried to get into every single marriage situation and talk about how this looked like, I mean, this would be a never-ending book, right? <laughs> like, because marriage involves so many moments, so many opportunities to truly love and respect or not love and respect. And to, to be able to catalog what every moment looks like, I mean, we have, we're all you different and unique in our personality. Our cultures are different. The families we grew up in are different. Our society is different. Time continues to change. I mean, there's no way you can get nitty gritty. You, you have to stay in, stay in some ways theoretical. That being said, I do think there are some takeaways that we really do need to think about here this morning as we process our own marriage, the marriages around us, the marriage perhaps we hope to have. How might God revolutionize you and those around us? I think Crystal has brought us to the good space that we need to continue to live in. This opening sentence that, again, is tied to the bigger idea about two ways to live, two ways to get intoxicated, two ways to get to get your buzz in life, two ways to operate. Will we operate with just indulging ourselves? Or we, will we operate by getting indulgent with God? Will we truly live a life where we are orienting ourselves around this reverence towards Jesus? Are we humble enough to live in that light? Because you and I know that reverence for Jesus, when, it, when we come down to it, when, it come, when, we, when we get to the nitty-gritty, isn't necessarily about paying lip service to Jesus, But it's about a heart attitude we have. Will we let Him actually call the shots in our life? Will we let Him dictate what's good and bad? Will we let Him guide us? And will we be humble enough to do that? That's really, in a sense, what this whole endeavor of following Jesus is about. And so... Here's the most basic question we can ask today, and the most basic question that we need to continue to ask. Will we receive the love and the leadership of Jesus and let that change us? Not just theoretically, but now in the intricacies of marriage, in the intricacies of this idea of submitting and respecting and sacrificing, and letting God guide you to live out that ideal? Will will we come back to the basics of that? I know uh, for me, just in in my married life, um, this is something, you know, I ask every day, right? Let's be honest. There's something that happens at least every day where I can... Have an opportunity to love and sacrifice, or I can be really mean and pigheaded about and just kind of be obnoxious about. You know, um, I think about those moments where maybe my wife will say something and I feel like, why is she having an attitude about that? Of course, I do the same thing, right? I'll say something, and I'll, I'll be just totally not wanting to engage emotionally. And so I'll make a comment that's not necessarily intentionally rude, but it's pretty rude. It's not intentionally hateful, but it seems really cold. I mean, those are the little things, right? I think about the marriage that I grew up around, my parents' marriage, when there are there secret things being done behind people's backs, secret money being hidden away, because they felt like the other person didn't know how to manage money, and so they were gonna hide this cash away and do things. You, you all been there. Secret bank accounts, secret lovers, secret children. We all been there. There are decisions to be made, but it all comes down to Jesus. You see, when Jesus gets in the mix of that, and we revere Jesus, and, and Jesus is a part of our everyday lives, and Jesus is talking to us, what happens in those moments is that you hear that voice of Jesus, whether it be through your conscious or, 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 or beyond that, and, and you just hear Jesus saying, hey, really, Yukon? Did you really need to have that attitude? Do you think you have to apologize for that attitude? Oh, man, it was just something really small, Jesus. Like, really, no, we don't need to apologize. Really? God be with us as we walk with Him and continue to look to be revolutionized by Him in our marriages. Can you join me in a word of prayer as we think through this? Jesus, um, we have read something... Very beautiful, very ideal. That is true, but we we have questions. How does this get lived out? Help us. Help us to come back to you, Jesus, and let you guide our steps. Help us if we're in a situation right now when where we feel like the other needs to change first before we can change. Show us what to do. Speak to us. And give us the power to say yes to you. Help us in the many, many other situations represented in this room where the answers are not easy. In fact, the answers are not clear. The answers are very confusing. They're great. We don't even think there could be an answer. Jesus, if you are truly there, we believe you have an answer. Because you know all. You see all. You know our motivations. You know what's inside, what's outside. You know what no one else knows. You see all. So help us when you say something to us to trust you, to believe in you to trust that you know all and that you not only know all, you have the best in mind. Help us to trust you in that moment. God, forgive us for the ways our egos get in the way, our pride, our our desire to, to be right, our desire to keep a certain score. God, forgive us. Thank you that you do. I want to challenge us as we just wrap up this time in prayer with our eyes closed, our hearts open. I just want to challenge us right here, right now to make a pledge to God, a pledge to Jesus to let him be your guide in this area of marriage. Again, perhaps your marriage, someone else's marriage that you are affected by, Maybe you're afraid to say something when you see your friends or your parents' marriage going through something. You're like, man, I don't know what to do. I want you to make a pledge right now. Say, Jesus, I'll follow you in what you have to say. And perhaps even more basic, I want you to make a pledge to say that, you know, you can't handle the complexity in front of you. In fact, that's been one of the main messages of this letter to Ephesians, that we're actually powerless, that we don't have the power to change. We don't have the power to see a revolution in our lives. Only he can provide that power. And so I want to invite you to just make that simple commitment, prayer in your heart, that says, God, I don't have the power to do this. I rely on your power right now. God, thank you for this time. Would you continue to guide our steps in this area? Would you continue to show us what you're doing? Would you continue to help us to say yes to what you say? It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen, amen.
0: Thanks again for joining us for today's conversation. For more information about Ethnos New Brunswick, visit us at ethnosnb.com.